Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Joining me for the Texans post game and a happy one is my co-host, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, this feels like uh, about as nice a victory, about as impressive a victory as I've seen the Texans have in Bill O'Brien's tenure. Just all the way around, I was impressed with how the Texans played. Well, you certainly have to be impressed with how they fought and and how the game could have gotten away, but they didn't allow it to happen this time, Robert. I don't know, a game like this, it it kind of mirrors <laughs> the type of season the Texans have had. I mean, that first drive, it starts out great. You think the Texans are finally going to shake that problem they've had of scoring in the first quarter. They march all the way down the field, get in deep into Titans territory, then Deshaun throws a pick. And then you go, uh-oh, here we go. We're going to have another bad start. you know. But then a little bit later, Whitney Merciless has his interception, which really sparks the Texans. They end up scoring two touchdowns. Titans come back in the second half. Then the Texans score again. Titans try the onside kick, don't get it. And the Texans hang on to win. I mean, it was, it was definitely a nail-biter kind of toward the end. But it was a game the Texans had to have, and they did have it. So... In that regard, Robert, yeah, it, it certainly is an impressive win because no matter what happened, the Texans just were not going to let this game get away from them. The money was on the line in the fourth quarter. Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, your two stars, came up huge when it counted. The two big drives by Deshaun, the touchdown, the field goal, they really weren't pushing for a touchdown. They were playing it safe, uh, trying to protect the lead, trying to protect the time and do all that stuff. We'll get into how they use the time in a little bit, Stephen. But Deshaun Watson, 19 for 27, 243 yards passing, 32 yards rushing, two touchdowns, the two bad interceptions. The first interception, let me just say this. It was a bad one, but Romo said, hey, look, he's doing the game on on, on CBS. Run up. Right. Uh, he, he says, great coverage by... The Titans, great, great work by them. But, you know, it's it's one of those ones you you can't make that mistake if you're Deshaun Watson. But at least you got to give the Titans credit for that one. The second one was much worse. I thought if Deshaun just arches it over the top where he's got all these hands and all these bodies between him and Will Fuller, Fuller was open. And if he just arches it over the top, Fuller had beat his man. He was wide open in the back of the end zone. He just puts a little bit of arch Oh, we, we could have breathed easier, Stephen. It would have been such a such a less nail-biting victory. Well, and, and you know, at that time, it was so frustrating because you thought now, you, you know, the Titans have the momentum and they could easily come and take the game back. So that was what was so big about that. Now, the first one to Duke Johnson, it looked like he found him late, but yeah, the, the Titans did have good coverage on it. So, you know, but Deshaun Watson, I mean, say what you will about the two interceptions. He made the plays that needed to be made. And once again, Robert, you know, Will Fuller being the difference in the game. I mean, he made some great catches. Yeah, it was DeAndre Hopkins and, and Kenny Stills. You know, the Kenny Stills had two touchdowns, of course. But Will Fuller makes the difference because when he's in there, you've got to cover him. You've got to cover Hopkins. You've got to cover Stills. I mean, it, it just makes the Texans receiving court that much more dangerous. Yeah, it was a big play. The The one big catch that he made that everybody will remember is – that long one that Deshaun Watson read the coverage right, you got to go one-on-one with Will Fuller if you're going to double-team DeAndre Hopkins. And he made him pay in that play. That set up one of the drives. And then you got to talk about 
GM Bill O'Brien who won this game. A hundred plus yards for Carlos Hyde. He traded for him when the season started. You know, the big touchdown, great run by him on that touchdown. That's going to go under the radar, but that was a, a fantastic run, bouncing outside and, and beating everybody. And then Kenny Stills, two touchdowns. Another part of that trade, Laramie Tunsil, another part of the one of the deals that he makes, uh, just a dominant performance. Uh, they had accused him, uh, the, the, the referees, of, of a penalty, which got declined, but it, it turns out they – they said it wasn't on uh, Tunsil from what I read from the people at the game. So really no penalties after, you know, all the hoo-ha about Tunsil the last couple of weeks and, you know, him leading all of the NFL and uh, procedure penalties or pre-snap penalties. Uh, Tunsil with the big game, but just credit that entire offensive line. They, they were fantastic. Yeah, they certainly were. And I, I wonder how columnist Brian T. Smith feels right now because you know, in uh, Sunday morning's uh, cron.com, he had a column about shouldn't Cal McNair maybe take a good long look at Bill O'Brien and, and just his entire tenure and, and whether all these moves, even the moves that he's made, you know, can the Texans still win a Super Bowl with him as the coach, the GM, the play caller, the everything? Uh, Brian T. Smith said no. Well, after today, uh, you know, one game does not a great person make, obviously. But, uh, yeah, all these moves that Bill O'Brien has made, and you can point to games like this and – and other games throughout the season where some of these guys have come up big. I mean, Carlos Hyde, I, I call him Hyde the Ride. And I mean, I tell you what, on more than one of those runs, he was taking people for a ride. He was carrying them all the way. He had over 100 yards. I believe he's got over 1,000 for the season now. So, you know, there's a player who kind of bounced around the league. I mean, everybody thought, Carlos Hyde, why are you trading for him and giving up all this for him? But and, at least for this first year with the Texans, you have to say he's been a difference maker in this Texan season for sure. Carlos Hyde, 26 carries, 104 yards, four yards a carry, one touchdown. Derrick Henry, 21 carries, 86 yards, 4.1 yards a carry, but Hyde lost some yardage per carry late in the game when they were trying to run out the clock. But if you look at it, there was no question. Carlos Hyde outdid Derrick Henry and the Texans' rush defense, Stephen, they outdid the Titans rush defense. No question. Well, and that was certainly crucial because, you know, the, the two players that everybody kept talking about that they need to contain coming into the game were Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Well, the Texans, you know, Derrick Henry had a couple of nice runs here and there. Ryan Tannehill had that 60-yard pass. But really, all in all, the Texans defense did a great job on both. And yes, especially toward the end, they were really getting some pass rush on Tannehill, which Honestly, you know, if, if the Texans can just do that more consistently, you know, they, they can they can give up some big plays maybe, but get away with it if they could just rush the quarterback more consistently. And they certainly did that a much better job with that with uh, Ryan Tannehill, which, you know, and, and Deshaun Watson obviously outdid Tannehill as well. Another unsung hero from this one that people will forget in the mix a little bit. He's been off and on the field all season long with the shoulder issues. He was out a little bit in this game, but when you needed him, he made some huge plays. I'm talking about Justin Reed. He had the breakup that caused the pass interception by Whitney Merciless. Whitney Merciless still getting oxygen after that play. Yeah. But uh, Justin Reed, I mean, not only did he make that play, but went under the radar. People might have missed this. The, the play before that, 
He grabs the running back. I, I don't think it was uh, Henry. I think it was uh, the other kid. He grabs him at the five-yard line by the ankle and holds on for dear life, preventing what would have been a touchdown. And then that next play, he breaks it up, and then Merciless gets the interception, the, the, the return. And then Justin Reed does one other thing that's pretty darn big. He recovers the onside kick at the end of the game. Yeah, I'll tell you, Justin Reed has certainly come through. And yeah, I think on one of those plays, uh, it was the tight end that they were they were kind of using as a running back. Uh, Janu Smith, I believe, uh, he he made a touchdown saving tackle on him and a couple other big plays. So uh, Justin Reed, I, I tell you, all season long, he's come up with some big, big plays. Talked about GM Bill O'Brien. Also have to mention the fourth drive of the game. And there wasn't many drives in this game by the Titans, basically nine. And you kind of discount that last sort of uh, run out the clock, the last uh, 17 seconds. If you discount it, it's basically nine drives. So every single stop was huge. And in the fourth drive, first half, there was a three and out, and it was a nice open field tackle by Hargraves on third down that helped end that drive. The fifth drive, Gary Conley with a big breakup on third down. And then, you know, that's GM Bill O'Brien, Conley and Hargraves. But then I got to go back to special teams because I just mentioned Justin Reed and Steven. They were massive this entire game. Big tackle by Lonnie Johnson in the first half on special teams. Then the huge pass breakup on the fake punt. That was, oh, that was incredible. And then you have Angelo Blackson blocking a field goal. These are points. These are point plays that they this special teams unit made. And Brian Anger, 46-yard average on four punts, three inside the 20. You know, we don't talk about it enough. The Texans are ranked seventh by football outsiders and special teams. The Titans are 27th. Yeah, and it's interesting because I know we have criticized on occasion the Texans special teams in, in some games. But, yeah, they certainly came through today with several big plays. And, you know, as far as the, the three and outs, the Texans were more near the bottom coming into the game in uh, three and outs on defense. But they had at least two that I not counted up today. So, you know, just really an all in all by the defense and the special teams and the offense. You know, it takes all three phases, really, in most cases, to win a football game. And the Texans, they, they played all three phases well at one time or another to win the game today. I'm going to do this in reverse because – if there's any criticism of Bill O'Brien and there can't be much in this game. I mean, he had his team prepared. I thought the offensive game plan was great. You know, there, there should have been a, a lot more points on the board. If Deshaun doesn't throw the, the, the two interceptions, because if you look at the offensive possessions, the Texans, almost every possession they scored. I mean, they, they were trying to run out the clock late. Uh, they, they didn't score at the end of the half. And there was a three and out early, which was a Will Fuller false start and a Chris Clark, giving up a sack, uh, the only poor, I think, moment from the offensive line the entire game. But the offense was great. So the play calling was great. Uh, overall, he, he had his team prepared. But I, I did not understand the delay of game on the field goal before Tennessee scores the last touchdown. I don't know what that was about. Now, that might have been just totally. I think they were just trying to run out the clock, honestly. I think they were just trying to take as much time as they could off so the way the but, Titans But the got clock the ball had back. stopped because there was an incomplete pass. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't want to move the ball back so that Fairburn would have more room to I, I can't believe. So, yeah, maybe that's the case. But that's kind of what I thought initially is that they were just trying to run the clock down. It's the only thing that makes sense. What you just said is maybe they were just trying to run the clock 
I mean, uh, put put him in a different angle, Fairbairn. Well, yeah, it could be the angle, certainly not the distance, but but maybe the angle. I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. And then I, I didn't understand the. I mean, Deshaun that third down. You know, it, it's one of those deals where if you just try to take that thirty seconds off the clock, because at that point the Titans were were screwed. They were out of timeouts. So if you just take thirty seconds off the clock. The Titans then have to score a touchdown in less than a minute. Uh, and, then, and and if they don't, the Texans can just run out the clock if you can get it past the two-minute warning. So, I mean, I, I, OB has got to figure this out. This is just game management stuff that he continues to not do well. Now, you could go, well, if you score the touchdown right there, if Deshaun throws a touchdown, somebody's wide open, game's over. But you're being so careful. You know what I'm saying? You're being careful there. Yeah, you're being careful. And I mean, this is where uh, O'Brien's weak spot is definitely time management. It always has been. I mean, he's been coaching in the league, what, six years? And uh, there have been times that it, it hasn't cost the Texans a game, like uh, today's game, for instance, and several others. But uh, there are bits of bonehead ones that are, you know, and something like this could have come back to haunt the Texans. Fortunately, it didn't. But it, it's definitely – if. O'Brien has several weak spots. That that has to be his biggest one, I would say, is game management, clock management. Big unsung heroes. I've mentioned the offensive line. I've mentioned Justin Reed, another player that we've got to start talking about because he is now sixth in the, tied for sixth in the NFL coming into this week with tackles. Okay. He's a potential Pro Bowl player. Zach Cunningham? 14 tackles. 10 solos for Zach Cunningham. You got it. Yeah, and he had 16 in the Broncos game, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he's coming on strong. And I look at the Texans linebacking core. He's become the most valuable guy. The most overrated guy to me is Bernardrick McKinney. I just don't think he's a really plus run stopper. I think the Texans run stopping now begins and ends with Zach Cunningham he gets a little bit of help. I, I've always got to credit DJ Reader because he does a great job clogging up the middle. But it's really Reader and Zach Cunningham that's the the run stop group. I don't like Bernardrick McKinney much as a as a run guy, and he's terrible in the passing game. And he's one of the Texans' better played paid players. I mean, they're going to have to think about what what they're going to pay Zach Cunningham, and then you got to decide. Well, do I want to keep Bernardrick McKinney around? Now, maybe it, it's still a decent contract, but I don't know if he's a whole lot better than uh, Cushing after those two knees. He's a little bit better than Cushing after the two knee surgeries, but, but not a whole lot better. Like that immediate after that second knee surgery, he's kind of in that area. You know, he's, he's all right. He's serviceable, whatever, but that's it, right? Yeah. And, and we, we've talked on occasion about Zach Cunningham being an up and coming young player, but He's just quietly racked up. I mean, you, you look at what the stats that you just talked about, and you're like, wow, he has all those tackles, all, the, all those games where he's had that many tackles, and he's among the tops in the league. So he's quietly been doing that, and he's not something that he, – he's not somebody that we've talked about as much as, say, Whitney Merciless on occasion and some of the other guys. But, yeah, he has really been racking up those tackles and uh, making some, some great games, just stringing them together for the Texans defense. If you look at the penalties, which is this is another thing that the Texans have had to concentrate on because they've been so poor at this most of the season. Bradley Roby, an illegal contact on the first drive, uh, that that wasn't good, led to a 
first down, you had Will Fuller with the false start on the third drive. I already talked about that slowing down drive three, forcing a punt. And then Brennan Scarlett with the personal foul, which led to a TD, but the replay showed it. I thought watching it live, it was a bad penalty. Yeah, I thought it was questionable that they called that. It was unnecessary roughness, was it not? Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, supposedly blow to the head, which you, it wasn't to the head. It was shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 in real time, I thought, it, it, you know, this is where, you know, that, that kind of stuff, you know, you can quickly do it. The NFL though, can't seem to do anything quickly on replay, but that's a quick look at, you know, we look at it once or twice at home and we know what it is. This is easy to fix. Um, I, I think that should be a play that should be reviewable because it's too much to ask these officials in, in, in the regular speed to say whether it's a helmet to helmet. I mean, you, you're going to screw that up more often than I mean, I'm not down on the field, but I've been down on the field enough as a videographer over the years. I've been shooting high school, college, NFL games for for years, and it, it, it's it's really fast when it happens in front of you for anybody much less a guy that's like looking for four different things. You know, is he holding? Is he passing, pa- pass interfering? What, you know, all of that. It's too hard. I, I wonder if it was as much the impact of the hit that made them throw the flag sure. as anything else because he was leading with the shoulder, but it, he blasted him. I mean, it was a hit, you know, and back in the day, the, that would be on, that be one of those that's on the NFL Films highlight reel for quite a while. But yeah, I just wonder if it was the impact that made him throw the flag. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I think that was exactly what it was. I mean, just looking at this game, big picture, Stephen, I I don't have a whole lot more to say, except that when you look at this game, the Texans, I feel like they were better offensively. They were better defensively. They were better special teams. And they won every phase of this game, and they went on the road against a team that was red hot, that was playing really well. I mean, Tannehill had got that offense going. Uh, Vrabel coach, Vrabel's a good coach. I mean, that guy's a good head coach. If, if you give him uh, a quarterback that I think is a, a top 10 quarterback and, and Daniel, you know, he could still be maybe a top 10 quarterback. If he's, if he gives you a full season with, with Vrabel in this offense, then, I mean, Vrabel's going to be a darn good coach and that's going to be a team to be reckoned with for the next few years. Yeah, I certainly think so. And, and they certainly seem to have a good receiving core, uh, A.J. Brown, I mean, he was making some great catches against the Texans uh, on Sunday. And uh, Corey Davis, and then that tight end who was playing tight end and running back, it seemed like, uh, Janu Smith, he, he kind of came in uh, midseason uh, when their other tight end was injured. So, yeah, they, they have a good-looking core on offense. But it, it was a big win by the Texans. I think the, the game ended up pretty much the way I figured it would, Robert, that you know, the Texans weren't going to walk away with this one, although it looked like they might once they built that 14 to nothing lead. Uh, but they did hang on to win. But I'll tell you what, you know, once again, do we believe in the Texans that, you know, maybe they've turned a corner or are they going to stub their toe against the Buccaneers next Saturday? And we're going to be sitting here talking about all over again what they should or shouldn't have done. I, I just I, I'm going to reserve judgment on this. I'm, I'm starting to be a little bit more of a hard sell. I need to see this team put some wins like this together to be more consistent before I'm going to say, you know what? They're an elite team. They can go deep into the playoffs. Yes, this was a great win. They had to have it. If they wanted to return for, retain first place in the AFC South, they had to have it. But honestly, they've had games like this before and maybe another one, and then they take two steps back with a bad performance. So 
I'm going to be a little more of a hard sell on this one to say that the Texans are all the way back. You don't see the pattern, Stephen, the one loss, two wins. You don't well, like the pattern? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, if they beat Tampa Bay and if they hang on and even if they lose to Tennessee, they're certainly in better position, but I'm talking about if you want them to go deep into the playoffs, what they need to do, I think to establish themselves and, and just go out of the regular season with some momentum. And if they could just get hot at the right time and get in the playoffs, then they can do something. But yeah, I'm just not, there's just been too much of this two and one, two and one business. Jameis Winston, his hand was supposed to be banged up. It doesn't look like it was because he was 28 for 42 for 440, 58 yards, four touchdowns, just one interception. So for Jameis, that's uh, put a check mark as that might be minus one interception for him. And he was fantastic, but it's the Lions and the Lions are just, they're fading into oblivion at this point. David, somebody named David Blau is their quarterback, which uh, I, I, I think I went to high school with that guy. I don't know who he is. <laughs> I don't either, but yeah. And I think um, he had over 300 yards just in the first half did Jameis Winston. And so I, I guess they, they slowed him down a bit in the second half, but he, I know he had well over 300 yards at halftime. So he's another one the Texans are going to have to watch, but you know, as, as they showed, if they can just keep the pressure like they did on Tannehill uh, and like they did against Tom Brady, then they've certainly got a great chance to beat Jameis Winston because he, he is a streaky quarterback. And uh, when, when he, when he tends to look bad, he can really look bad. So if the Texans can come up the way they did, against the Titans and make some big plays, then they certainly can beat the Buccaneers even on the road. Chris Godwin, 121 yards receiving. Uh, Brashard Perryman, 113 yards receiving. Even without Mike Evans, they've got weapons all over the place. And then you got somebody like O.J. Howard with four catches this week. And, you know, he's one of your more dangerous tight ends out there. Uh, you know, he he's... He's a guy that you got to worry about. And the Texans, you know, tight ends are always a concern. But uh, Jameis is playing great football right now. And so, yeah, it's 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 a game on paper you thought was going to be an easy one. But that's why we play this season out because all of a sudden Tampa Bay is a 7-7 seven and seven team. They're right there. I mean, if they were in the NFC East, they would win it. <laughs> I was going to say, if they were 7-7 seven and seven in the NFC East, they'd have a chance to win the division. You know, but they're playing for their playoff lives, certainly. So it's going to be a tough game, and it's certainly a different atmosphere. First of all, it's going to be on a Saturday, and it's going to be at noon, which I, I can't remember the last time that there was a Saturday game at noon in the NFL. So kind of a, a different setting. You know, the, of course, both teams, you know, they both have one less day to prepare, so the Texans aren't exactly at a disadvantage there. But they will be on the road. It will be in Tampa Bay, and it'll be a Saturday game. So... The Texans need to be prepared, and, and I know we talk a lot about how it's the responsibility of Coach Bill O'Brien or whoever the head coach is to get their players ready to play. Look, you're getting toward the end of the season. I think the players need to start taking some more of their own accountability on this to get ready for games like this because they know what's at stake. Yeah, they're in first in the AFC South, but they still have to play the Titans one more time. A win against Tampa Bay would really give them a leg up, so they – they can't afford to take a week off. I think it's as much their responsibility as Coach Bill O'Brien's to get ready for this game. Don't come in flat. You know, don't don't get down 14 to nothing, 38 to 3 at the halftime against Tampa Bay. Come out and play the game. 
Deshaun, if you can, just wake up a few hours early and pretend like you're playing in primetime, like it's really late at night. <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah, something to, to get them jump-started here in the first quarter. Yeah, it's it's a national televised game, so maybe Deshaun will show up. Uh, I mean, of course, he didn't have a whole lot of success in an early nationally televised game in the playoffs last year, but he usually shows up on national television, so hopefully... Uh, he'll do what he has to do, but it could be a real shootout. And we're not going to be doing that one till Sunday. We'll have the post game, uh, I believe, on Sunday because uh, we've got some other priorities uh, on Saturday. It's a it's a weird weird time, and of course that time of year and everything. So look look for a post game show on Sunday, and just a, a couple of other just minor notes or uh, sort of major notes in, in Houston sports. Uh, Corey Kluber looks like he's going to the Rangers. So. Stephen, you and I talked about how much how much more difficult it's going to get for the Astros this year because you got Garrett Coles now with the Yankees, so they're way better. Rendon's with the uh, Angels, and now you got Corey Kluber with the Rangers, and so you're going to see a lot of Corey Kluber. Not to say that the Rangers are a, a super threat at this point, but it, it, at least you got a at least you got another guy to worry about and some wins that you might lose because you know, you're facing Corey Kluber instead of whoever the Rangers were throwing at you last year. Well, certainly. And I mean, this is the thing. The the window of opportunity gets narrower every year because obviously the teams are going to try to get better every year. And the AL West is no exception. I mean, yeah, the Astros have been beating up on the AL West for a while. But, uh, you know, the Astros, their offseason still needs to play out. They haven't had what you would call a major signing, quote unquote, at really at any position. So, with the Rangers, you know, if Lance Lynn has another good year like he did, now they have Corey Kluber. Now, they also signed a, another former Astro, Jordan Lyles. Not really sure, you know, how great a signing that is. But still, the Rangers are trying to load up on pitching. The Angels are certainly trying to get better. And, uh, well, we all know the Yankees, <laughs> they've certainly probably gotten a lot better with uh, the signing of Garrett Cole. So the American League, even the AL West, probably not going to be a cakewalk for the Astros like it has been in recent years in the division. Just want to say something about the Rockets. I mean, we, we could talk about the Rockets a little bit more later in the week, but I'm a little bit pissy about Saturday's loss because Russell Westbrook's on load management. And what I don't understand is Russell Westbrook's playing his best basketball of the entire season. In two weeks, Eric Gordon's going to be back. Eric Gordon gives you another guy that can score 20, 25, 30 a game. He can be an offensive go-to guy. Uh, he helps your rotation get deeper Wait two weeks. Wait till Eric Gordon gets back. Wait till Russell Westbrook's maybe not hitting his jump shots like he's been doing the last few games. I didn't understand this. The Pistons are not a gimme. There's no NBA games that are a gimme, especially if you're the Rockets. It felt like they just said, we're going to throw a game away. And I don't know how you can do that in a season like this. You know, I haven't really, I don't think we've really talked a whole lot on this podcast about the load management controversy in the NBA, but if there is one thing that disgusts me about the NBA, aside from NBA officiating, of course, is this whole load management business. What, Robert, what other sport does that? I mean, first of all, I know you can't compare football to basketball because obviously in the NFL, there are only 16 games. The only time you would do it in the NFL is if you're in the last game of the season, you've got the division wrapped up, you've got home field wrapped up, you're going to rest some players. Yeah, Major League Baseball, you kind of do it if you're running away with the division toward the end of the season. But, I mean, we're talking at the beginning to the middle part of an NBA season, and you're having all this load management business. I just don't understand it. 
I know that you're trying to say you're saving your players because, yeah, NBA, it's a, it's a pretty strenuous sport. And if you go through 82 games and then you go through the playoffs, the players get leg weary. But I just think it's a poor excuse, especially when you're talking about your, your star players, your core players, your main role players. And look, these are the kind of games, what if it comes to the end of the season and the Rockets do what they did last year? They are just on the outside looking in of having home court advantage. You could take one game, a game against the Pistons, maybe one other game that that might happen where, say, they they blow a lead or, or something like that. There could be the difference of one or two games that the Rockets could be in the top three, four echelon in the NBA, in, in the Western Conference. So I just don't understand this whole load management. I, I think it's cheating the fans, and it certainly can come back to haunt the teams when you get to the end of the season where one or two games really matter. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you on on that and and I just I'll just follow it up by saying that you know Russell Westbrook's a guy that, you know, his entire career, you know, he's had the knee issue. I understand you're going to baby the knee issue. You've invested a lot in Russell Westbrook. So it's understandable you want to protect your asset. But by the same token, does Russell Westbrook need to play 35 minutes one night and zero the next night? Couldn't you have played him 20 minutes and maybe made it those 20 minutes, most of that being when James Harden was off the floor and then maybe play him late if you need him. So maybe he gets 15 minutes each night uh, in, in a situation like that or 18 minutes each night to where you're giving him 36 minutes over two nights, the same difference. So that's where I, I, I guess my real frustration is when you have James Harden and Russell Westbrook, the advantage is that you can you know, play one of them without the other one. And, and, and it gives you that opportunity to always have an MVP on the floor. That's what they, they talked about when they made the trade. So this is the opportunity when you can use something like that. And yet it's like, no, we like to have two MVPs one night and zero and, and one MVP the next night as to, as opposed to one and a half and one and a half. It, it, it yeah. just didn't make any sense to me in, in a lot of ways. I, I, I also had one, one other thing uh, Astros related um, because this is somebody that we've had on our podcast. He's been a friend of the podcast. Uh, just found out today that Steve Sparks had a heart attack. He's doing okay. But, you know, big fan of Steve Sparks. He is extremely nice human being. I've met him a few times uh, covering the Astros. We've had him on the show. He was fantastic. If you just want to feel good, Stephen, I would suggest everybody go back and listen to our interview with Steve Sparks after the Astros won the World Series in 2017. It's one of my favorite interviews that we've done. Oh, it's one of mine, too, and and I'm not going to give it away. But, yeah, especially, wasn't it toward the end of the podcast where he gives us a real treat? Wasn't it at the very end where uh, you had him do something that, I I mean, he just brought the house with it. So, yeah, you definitely want to go listen to that. And certainly, all our best to Steve Sparks. I mean, yeah, that was quite a surprise. I I know he's had some health problems. Didn't he have a a knee problem or something? the season where he was out off and on uh, several times throughout the season. But, yeah, heart attack, I mean, that's definitely something that uh, you don't want to mess with. So we hope for a, a full and, and speedy recovery for Steve Sparks. You cover a lot of high school sports, Stephen. I cover a lot of high school sports. Yesterday I was at Kyle Field, watched Fort Bend Marshall just crush the uh, burn champions that look like the more like the burn losers to, to, to <laughs> they be. got burned, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. They, they, they did not look too good at Kyle field yesterday. Uh, Fort Ben Marshall 
just, I mean, it was ridiculous. They, they scored, God, I, I want to say it was like 48 to seven after the first half and, and they're going to be playing for a state title. And this is that time of year next weekend is going to be the state title game. Uh, is, that, is that still at the jury world? I assume this coming weekend. Yeah, I believe so. Yes. So yeah. good luck to Fort Bend Marshall last year. They got to the final, I want to say, and then lost in the championship game. So hopefully they can bring it, bring it home this time. But man, they looked good at Kyle Field and uh, don't get a chance to get to Kyle Field too often. So it was interesting to watch a high school game there, although it felt like there, were, there may have been 200 Fort Bend Marshall fans in the building. <laughs> it's, a, it's a track, but, you know, it's, it's a school that's not – it's one of those that you're not going to have a big student body presence. Uh, the the Burn champions had a lot more people there, but uh, still, uh, you know, good luck to all the teams that are vying. If you're you've got a team, your alma mater, or, or a fan of a team, or your kids are going there, good luck to them in the state championships next weekend. Well, first of all, having a name like the champions, I mean, it has to be great if you actually are champions. And when you're not, it doesn't look so good, does it? <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. But high school football, it's it's big. It, it's certainly big, especially when it reaches this time in the season and your teams are still in it. There may be small fan bases, but they're very, very loyal fan bases. So uh, good luck to all the teams in the state finals that are coming up. Have you gone to the state finals before? Have you have you been for that? I haven't been to the state finals, no. I mean, I've covered some high school games and uh, – the last radio station I worked for here in Austin several years ago, we actually had, and they still have it, uh, we started it when I first became program director. It's a high school football show that covers all of the Central Texas teams. And uh, it, it's kind of like uh, it, we kind of go, basically all go, go around the horn and we have reports from all kinds of reporters out at many different games and the reporters are students. So the schools get involved and uh, actually give their reports. So it's kind of interesting to listen to. So, uh, no, I've been to some uh, high school games. I've been to some playoff games, but I haven't actually been to a state finals. Even when it was held in Austin, uh, during that time, I wasn't covering high school sports. So I I bet it is a treat, though, to go to a place, certainly like uh, Jerry World and some of the other places it's been held over the years. Yeah, uh, I've been to a state final at Rice Stadium, uh, North Shore, who is also in the finals this year. They get got by Lake Travis, uh, so they're going to the finals North Shore, this was about 15 years ago. They win the state championship. Bobby Reed was their quarterback. The same Bobby Reed that, you know, I'm a man, I'm 40, the whole Oklahoma oh, State speech. Yeah. That, that, that was about Bobby Reed that was at North Shore High School. And it was really cool because it was also Bobby Reed's birthday. So I went down on the field after the game and in the celebration the entire North Shore team started singing happy birthday to Bobby Reed as they were getting the trophy. It was really a cool oh, moment. How cool is that? Yeah, those are the moments you live for, especially if you're a member of the media and you get to cover special things like that. So uh, awesome, awesome experience. Well, that's all we got for this one. Uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, like I said, should come at you midweek uh, with some more Houston sports news, uh, the Rockets, uh, maybe some more Astros notes, uh, stuff going around baseball right in the middle of all the action with uh, trades and uh, free agency and everything. But the Texans, oh, my God, this is a big one. This was a big one. They take care of the Titans in Tennessee. And would you call it a lock, a semi-lock? Not a lock, but a semi-lock nope, on the I'm not, Nope, I'm not going to call it a lock. Not, I'm, I'm going to be I'm, – I'm old, Robert. I'm getting old, so I'm going to be the old curmudgeon here. 
and say, no, it's not a lock. They, they got to keep bringing it for the next two weeks. Final score for the Texans in this one, 24 to 21. They move to nine and five, drop Tennessee to eight and six. If they can just beat Tampa, it wraps it up next week. We're looking forward to it. I know you guys are too. We'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Attack!